Hello and welcome to the Gentleman's Journal podcast, a fortnightly discussion all about success, modern business and the lives of entrepreneurs. I'm Joe Bullmore, I'll be your host for the day, and I'm joined this afternoon in a very special fifth year anniversary episode by Harry Jarman, the founder and editor-in-chief of the Gentleman's Journal and, crucially, my boss. In a bit of a twist on our usual format, we thought it might be fun to ask Harry about his own entrepreneurial journey with the Gentleman's Journal as the publication celebrates its fifth birthday. In today's episode, Harry discusses how the company first got started, the dramatic changes in the world of luxury in the past five years, and why it pays to ask for forgiveness, not permission. Harry, thank you very much for joining us on this very special fifth anniversary edition of the Gentleman's Journal podcast. Uh, We usually kind of point our laser sights on other entrepreneurs but today we're looking at you the founding father for want of a better word of the gentleman's journal when you started this magazine five years ago almost to the day you must have looked slightly insane to be founding a magazine in that climate what did people say to you early on um well firstly it's i'm more nervous to be here than excited but um (laughs) what did people say to me i i think um i was quite young so I was quite naive and I think you know I think age 23 24 you sort of just get on and do it and you don't you know, I guess you don't really listen to people's advice but fair to say when we started yeah it was it was doom and gloom for for print so yeah yeah it wasn't a great time to in in theory a great time to start a print magazine but in practice it seems to have worked out probably right yeah, I mean, it's still working. It's, okay. a, it's a, I would say, very much still a work in process. Um, yeah. It hasn't been easy, but, you know, it's not It's not an industry you go into for a quick buck. Sure. Um, and and it takes, you know, it takes a while to get um, not only readers, you know, advertisers' trust, but also readers' trust. Yeah. And that takes time. And it doesn't, you know, unfortunately, if you asked me five years ago, I would have said it would happen in a year, but um, it takes a bit longer. Yeah. Take us back to the early days when you first were thinking of the idea. Was it always going to be a gentleman's magazine? Did you toy around with other genres and other formats for the magazine? It was always going to be a men's magazine, I think. I think we, I, I, you know, I said, I, I started it with a, two friends of mine, Charles Hambro uh, and Finn Bruce back in, back in the day. And at the time, I was really interested in... Uh, my favorite favorite magazine for storytelling was Vanity Fair. I liked the fact country life you could look through and dream of what house you one day might own. Yeah. Um, then I guess Tatler had a bit of tongue in cheek about it, and The Bystander. Um, and then there was things like Esquire, which I really liked their style. So yeah. I was trying to combine a magazine that combined, yeah, a magazine that combined all of those aspects and and a bit of you know and a and a business aspect aspect as well yeah and was it true that you had a a swimming trunk brand yeah well that's where originally came yeah it originally came out of a failed (laughs) business which which i have to remind myself no i i i before that i i started a swimwear company uh making men's swim shorts all in england which i realized at the time we're not very good at making we make very good shoes and very good suits. Yeah, uh, we don't make, yeah, we don't make don't make much else. Um, so, yeah, six months of that, finally realizing that it was a bit harder to sell swimming trunks. But at the same time, I was trying to look for, I was trying to look for ways to promote it. And yeah. um, 
I couldn't afford any of the other magazines or anything at the time. So again, with na- you know being naive, I yeah. um, decided, well, if I can't afford it, I'll set up my own magazine. And then, then, then I, 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 well, that has actually been a more expensive project <laughs> than probably the advertising. But yeah. Yeah. And when you look back at that first ever issue, what do you think when you see that? And, and how, how far has it come from then? Uh, quite a long way. I, I look at it occasionally. Um, it gives me a bit more of the shivers rather okay. than, than, than to look at I mean, we, you know, we wrote, we wrote that. I think we downloaded InDesign and yeah. uh, worked out how to put this magazine together. I think we've had a printer in Wales. Um, I, I think I had, I think I had best mates who were doing restaurant reviews yeah. uh, and, and, and things like that. But you managed uh, <laughs> to, to convince enough people to buy it and enough people to get on board that it's still going strong today. What was your pitch to investors, to advisors early on? How did you sell in this idea of the Gentleman's Journal? Well, I mean, we didn't really, I mean, we had, I think we had our investor come on, you know, we had investors start coming in like a year after it started. So we had to get past that first year without, you know, with with pretty much zero money. But, you know, the pitch, you know, the pitch, uh, you know, would I, I would probably say the first investor who remained nameless, but <laughs> it was, yeah, it was probably a 50-50 punt, really. Right. Um, you know, to invest in a print magazine when print was, you know, and, and is in decline. Um, yeah, it took a punt, big punt. Yeah. And what were the big breakthroughs on in those early days, in the first couple of years? What were the big clients you signed on, the big brands you worked with that made you think, wow, we could actually probably make this work? Um, I think the early clients, I mean, they were, I, they were people like Brightling Watches, I think gave me my first shot. Wow. Um, not for a huge amount now, but they've stayed loyal ever since. Um, but yeah, no, I remember the first clients. I thought I'd you know, changed the world when I signed them. And what, I suppose, on the other side of the coin, what were the things that went particularly badly early on? What were, what were the stumbling blocks? I think when, when you're young, especially, I think the main thing I would say now is actually just follow your gut. I think you are slightly worried when you're growing... Um, you know, you suddenly become very, you know, you, you go to a certain level, you go from your bedroom into an office, you yeah. hire people, um, you're getting to that stage where you feel like you should have advice or you shouldn't, you should, you should take other people's advice. I think that probably with hindsight being that wonderful thing yeah. has, uh, you know, I, I did do that. I did listen. And I think that was not a great idea um, at the time because Sometimes businesses can lose that entrepreneurial spark and their, um, you know, their their flexibility to do stuff quickly. Right. Um, and the way I, you know, I have sort of lived my lived my business life is, you know, just get on with it and ask for forgiveness later. Right. Um, I think is definitely a better way than sitting there and planning and strategy. Yeah. Um, you need uh, you need people who are going to really work hard and who are prepared to help other people out. Not sit there and say, you know. This is this is how I did it there, or this mm. is you know this is my department. We as you know again as you know, uh, everyone helps each other out, and yeah. and and that's I think been the luckily been the success, yeah. especially recently, yeah. So what criteria would you look for when you're hiring someone? You never really know until you hire someone, yeah. And um, you know, three months in, you'll get the idea, and and your best uh, if they're not right to stop it then, but. Um, yeah, you never really know, but the criteria are just you know getting on with them, working hard, helping other people out, being able to put the time in, um, you know, not 
not walking away from the crisis, you mm. know, and actually, you know, helping or helping the other, their other colleagues uh, face them uh, head on is, you know, once you get a really good team that can do all of that together, then you yeah. can literally do anything. And what are the minor crises that have that have occurred? I mean, the main one is probably with any new business is cash flow. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's been some horrific times <laughs> when you've been waiting on advertisers' checks and they just don't come. Right. Uh, or, you know, you, they promise you one month and then another month down the line, <laughs> it's still not there. But, you know, the thing is, at the same time, is you've still got to pay for all of your overheads, all mm -hmm. of your things. So that does cause stress. Um, Every business has that. Yeah. Luckily, we're not in that situation anymore. And then staff crisis. You know, you know, you you, you lose staff uh, that are really, really great, um, um, and that's really sad. And that can cause a big, big effect on the business. One of the most remarkable things about the Gentleman's Journal is that uh, it's kind of surrounded by all of these very interesting, influential, connected people who sit around it. How did you go about building that network early on? Yeah, I mean, that's, a, I think it's main USP is we've got a really focused community about it from from social, but all the way down to the nitty gritty of who we interview and who we yeah. feature. I think one, people follow each other. So your covers get easier as you have another mm -hmm. A-list star on it. And, you know, if you, yeah, you're, you, it gets easier and easier, the better products you produce. I think with us, which is different compared to our people, I would guess you would call our competitors, is we focus on the business angle. And that's the mm. bit that really interests me. I think everyone, you know, our age, I say our age, you know, sort of the 25 to 35 age bracket, um, we realize that we don't have to go and work for other people. We can, you can work from home, you can yeah. create successful businesses. Uh, the, the freelance world has grown hugely. And hopefully in the Gentleman's Journal, we're telling those stories. Everyone that you've interviewed beforehand, you've actually interviewed a whole cross-section of people who are much, much older, who've been there, done that, got T-shirt. But you've also had, you know, you had you know, Ross Bailey from Appear Here last week. He's 20, well, how old is 25? 25, yeah, yeah. Crazy. So, you know, it's that cross-section. And I think what we try and do at the Gentleman's Journal is tell that story. Yeah. So talking about print now, it's an incredible time. There's a great transitional period, I suppose I should say, especially if you look at Condé Nast, which has had titles streamlined in, in the last few months. Do you think print is going to go? That's kind of what a lot of the... Don't think it will go, right. but, you know, I'm, 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 slightly more, um, hmm. I'm slightly more realistic than most of my... Okay. Uh, yeah, most of the other people in the print industry. I think it is... Um, yeah, it's declining. There's no doubt about it. It's, but the one thing it is doing. I mean, I read a report recently. I can't remember where it was, but you know, it's declining at a painfully slow rate, <laughs> um, a really, really slow rate. It's it's never going to completely die. It is going to shrink. Um, you know, the, at the Gentleman's Journal, it is part of a, a larger thing. Mm -hmm. um, I've you know, I'm committed to doing what we are doing at the moment for for the foreseeable future, and by that I mean, you know, the next couple of years. Um, you know, it's part of it's part of online, it's part of, it, it integrates everything. Covers are still important. Yeah. Uh, I think for marketing directors, it's important to sap on their CEO's desk. Yeah, um, actually. There's the, old, there's the thing that uh, everyone says, when you're reading a computer, you're leaning forward. Mm. Whereas you're reading print, you're leaning back, so it means you're just, you know, digesting it much better. There's a lot of pros and a lot of cons. It's a completely impossible argument to yeah. win. It's rather like, you know, which came first, chicken or the egg. Mm -hmm. It's just, it doesn't, it, it, it should be part of any person's media portfolio.
the brands themselves have a lot of um, you know their own titles and print. I guess the big changes is media. Uh, the the brands that advertise and media titles are also becoming media entities themselves. Yeah. So that's the big big change. And if uh, as a magazine you can help them do that, as you know that we do with a lot of our a lot of our clients, then then you'll survive because they need help doing it because you know they 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 might make a product before that's got nothing to do with media. Yeah. So that's the. And who do you think is the most impressive as this media landscape changes? Who's the most impressive in this kind of new wave of new media when we think about the BuzzFeeds and the Huffington Posts? Yeah. Business Insider, um, which I'm a great, I love it actually. I follow it at times because I'm very interested in business and, and that side of it. But they tried to pick, like, they tried to become a fresher, um, fresher version of the FT, mm. uh, which they did really successfully. I think they sold for. I don't know, was it 400 million uh, last year or the year before, which is crazy for a company that is what, you know, less than a decade old. Um, At the same time when the FT, I think it sold for half the price the FT sold. So, you know, that's a huge thing. Um, I think with those new BuzzFeed, you know, it's a very different market. You know, it's, it's, they all got their own little thing. I don't, will they all end up being successful? I don't know. You know, they've had a hell of a lot of money put into them. Um, but yeah, I think the ones that I'm impressed by are things like Business Insider. Mm. I think it's been really, really good. They've now gone into events, consultancy. So they diversified away from just being relying on advertising. Yeah. And when you speak about diversifying, that's obviously something the Gentleman's Journal has historically done pretty well. But what other areas have we not entered yet that Go you on. think we might? Can't say. Without giving away the business <laughs> secrets. I can't say. No, I, 2018 is going to be very uh, a lot of fun. I think we've only scratched the surface of what we can do. We've got an amazing group of listeners and readers and brands that we, yeah. we work with now. And, you know, I'm more excited about 2018 than I've ever been in this, in, in this business whatsoever. So when you speak about these listeners and readers, who, in your mind, is the gentleman's journal man? Well, I mean, there's the, the, the guy that we write about and we aspire to write about. Yeah. I mean, and there's the guy that is actually our reader. So that, 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 comes, from, <laughs> that comes from stats. You know, we, there's a lot of online that is very aspirational and they, they, you know, which they want to better themselves and do that. But, you know, they're young. You know, that's the main thing. They're you know, predominantly online. They're 20, 25 to 35. Um, but, you know, the guy we write about is the guy that just does his own thing. You know, whether that... You know, he is successful. He he is constantly, be, you know, becoming a better version of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also, when it comes to brands, we try and tell the, I guess, the bullshitters from the real guys. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, there's a lot of great brands out there that uh, I don't think nearly enough enough people know about that are generally much better than a lot of the brands that people know yeah. about. You know, examples, Tamalassa, you know, one of the last English shirt makers, uh, Crockett and Jones, still being fa- still family owned, where most have been bought by bigger companies. You know, they're the brands that we really, really champion, um, and we want people to know about. And also, that's what we always strive to do with each issue. As you know, it's trying to find a new story, yeah, something that hasn't been told before. And what are the ingredients of a great story? What are the, the great stories you put out over the last year? For well, example? you're you're my editor, so I mean, <laughs> I would <laughs> no. Um, I think uh, the ingredients are a great story. I mean, it's a bit of everything. You've got to have a little bit of scandal in there. Yeah. Um, you've got to. Ha- it's got to be. It's got to be glamorous. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's also, well, I guess the hardest thing is trying to, as you know, is trying to find, you know, something that hasn't been done before. Yeah. Which absolutely. is impossible. I mean, like, so when you get people like Trump come along, it's sort of like a, a, a blessing in disguise. Because, yeah. you know, there's lots to write about. Where um, do you see the Gentleman's Journal in another five years? Do you think you'll still be running it or? Good question. Um, impossible stuff. I think I'm always going to be slightly involved in it. It's, okay. It, I think being my first successful business, yeah. um, I, you know, it's like a kid. You know, you don't, you know, it's your baby, and I'm, I'm really proud of what everyone's done. To, you know, we got a big party this week actually on Thursday, celebrating five years. Yeah. Um, I'm really proud of where it's gone. I guess, I think, you know, I'm always going to be involved in it. Yeah. yeah. I'll be very critical of things are going badly and uh, um, I'm probably going to be critical of things are going well. But, okay. Um, right. No, I don't think I can ever <laughs> see myself leaving it. I'd like to ask you about any advice you might have to entrepreneurs who might be listening to this and thinking about setting up something similar maybe in the luxury space. What do you think the biggest mistakes that people make when they're starting out a business in this kind of industry? Planning. 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 What do you mean? They don't plan over, enough or they plan too much? Over planning. Over planning? Yeah, yeah over planning. I think, People should act more and plan I think, less. Yeah, I think you just got to get on with it. I'm, I'm a great believer. Actually, what Paul Smith, Paul Smith said the other day, yeah. that learning whilst doing. Yeah. Um, because, um, yeah, it's much better when you fail. Like when it's your when it's your fault, you learn. Yeah. Whereas if you plan and plan and plan, then, you know... It's it doesn't you can it might be great and it might look great on paper, but you never know what's going to happen when you actually do it. Yeah. You never know. External internal influences they can sometimes be curveballs. I think I might know the answer to this one, but what do you think is more important, the idea you have or your execution of the idea? The execution, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can, you know, if you think about it, you don't. I don't think you have to. You know, the Gentleman's Journal was not a new idea. No. Uh, you know, I'm not as much as it pains me to say that. I think you can build great businesses. You know, yeah. and there's also a lot of big businesses that have started that, you know, I guess weren't the first. You know, there's a lot of supermarkets that of weren't course. the first supermarket that might be doing better than the guys that have been yeah. there a lot longer before. Um, you know, retailers. You know, Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's. Yeah, I think it's about the execution. It's about. Um, it's about, it, ultimately, every business is about people, the people in it. Yeah. Well, that puts me nicely onto the next question, which is, what's more important, who you know or what you know? Who you know or what you know? I think oh, they're both equally as important. Well, like, that's a bit of a cop-out. Is it a cop-out? Is it a cop-out? Um, no, I would say you've got to know what you're talking about. I yeah. mean, you can't, yeah, you, you, so. you, you can only... But bo- isn't there something to be said for faking it till you make it kind of half bluffing it yeah in a young no. way so maybe appearing to know lots is good are you trying to say something no not at all <laughs> not at all i'm just relaying um, the advice I've no given. i would say i no, i would say no i agree that fake it till you make it there's a you know especially when you're starting out it's okay it's really really hard um but i i do you know, and actually knowing people is amazing. You know, the, yeah. the more people you know, the more doors that open for you. Mm-hmm. However, to walk through that door, you've got to know what you're talking about. Yeah. You can't just walk through that door. Um, you know, I'm a, the, another saying is like, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, I. Yeah, knowing people is one thing. Okay. I know a lot of people who know a lot of people that <laughs> that you know are, are you know the 
the, I think the people who don't know stuff get caught out. We are meant to be celebrating five years of the Gentleman's Journal after all. In that five-year span, do you have a favourite issue? Or, favorite. or not a favourite issue, a favourite article, a favourite moment in those five years? I don't think I have a favourite issue. I mean, you know, the, the issues have definitely got lots of a lot better. Yes, since, I'd agree with you. Since issue, yeah. Volume, yeah, issue one, volume one. <laughs> um, so they've definitely got better. I think the last issue that you guys, you know, just did um, was, you know, amazing. We had Christoph Waltz, Nico Rosberg, Gregory Porter. Um, I think I've probably left some people out. But, yeah, you know, Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah, Sir Patrick Stewart. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've had some amazing people. And, the, you know, yeah. the, the issue before that, you know, we've had people like Paul Smith and Jeff Corbyn. No, I think there's not a, there's not a favourite thing. I think, you know, I think it's all getting better. You know, I, okay. I'm always looking for what's about to come around the corner rather than looking at something that's been done before. Yeah. I, I, you know, the hardest thing in our job is to try and create something that's better than the last. Great stuff. So at the end of each podcast, we like to ask these kind of quick fire questions, as you know. Yeah, I think I came up with You the did idea. come up with the concept. So, well, yeah, joint effort. <laughs> but, um, but now you've got to answer them for the first time. Yeah. So Harry Jarman, yes. editor-in-chief of The Gentleman's Journal. Okay. Who in the world of business do you most admire? That is so hard. I mean, I would love to say the, I mean, the obvious ones would be Steve Jobs and all of those people. Yeah. But actually, I would, for me, I would say Walt Disney. I think really yeah I just think I think before Steve Jobs he was the ultimate dreamer um, okay. and and I think he didn't really see the you know he never saw a problem which I think as you get older you yeah. always start to see these barriers but you know going back to like when you're young and naive I've got to sometimes I wish you could stay like that fear, fearlessness yeah. and uh, Walt Disney's was the ultimate you know never stop going never stop thinking that around the corner might be the next big break um, but you know I think that's really important you know I think there's also entrepreneurs you know you've got to bear in mind there's you look at someone like Simon Cowell you know mm -hmm. he was broke at 32 so yeah. I think that's you know, I think always having that in the back of your mind and being people like that is. Uh, what are you most proud of so far in the five years of the Gentleman's Journal? Creating the team and uh, the brand, you know, I, yeah. I, which has come from the team, but, you know, which has happened with all the people that have been involved in the Gentleman's Journal. Um, but creating a brand that has, you know, over 600,000 followers, a print magazine, online website, a wonderful podcast absolutely uh you know and the, you know that's that's and and you know there's a lot of people uh, you know i love it when you meet someone that you don't know mm. and they go what do you do and you say gentleman's journal and they're like oh my god i've heard of that that okay. that means you've done you've done a good job yeah so um yeah creating a brand uh, what phrase or word do you most overuse? I feel like you're about to throw a curveball question. No, no. Um, I mean, that one is new, but it's a good one. Uh, someone will laugh at this because they always take the piss out of me of saying it, but I always say 100%. <laughs> do I you? I don't know why. 100%. <laughs> what, as a way of saying Just yes? Just like yes. Yeah. Yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah. Apparently it's quite South African. Is it? I don't, I'm not South African, so okay. uh, I don't know where it comes You should start saying 110% now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Up it and up it. Exactly. Uh, what has been your biggest failure or regret so far in these five years? Um, my biggest failure? I think, I, I don't see, I don't, I don't honestly, I know it says it's a really corny thing to say, yeah. but I don't, although I've had a lot of failures and near, and, um, near-death experiences with the business <laughs> right, uh, not God. literally but, okay, you know, as, as, yeah. as, as the business I never see any one of those failures because you learn more and more and more and more as you go along so um, you know going back to learning or doing yeah 
you know, when you really, really mess up something, and there's been plenty of those times that you really, really mess yeah. up something, they're the best. You know, you, can't, you can get yourself out of it, which is the key, um, which quite often you can't. <laughs> so, but I mean, those things you learn off, you know, so they're not failures. Okay. Um, touch wood so far. Yeah, <laughs> good. Absolutely. We hope not. What's your most treasured possession? My most treasured possession? God. I don't, you know, I'm not a possession sort of person. I don't, you know, I don't think, I don't. Okay. Yeah, everyone says that as well. Yeah, do they? Well, I think Wilhelm Schmidt from Alang and Sonner said a a watch, obviously, which is a safe answer for him. Yeah, I think might be a bit of a PR move. Exactly. Um, But it's probably true. Um, No one's really said, Paul Smith said um, a pair of shoes he's had for 30 years, which he made, which he's only resold five times, I think, which is pretty good going. Yeah. So that's a good answer from Paul. Um, no, uh, Nicholas Coleridge said a photo album with his family. Again, very safe yeah, answer. No. I'm sure it's true. So no one's got anything. No, we're, we're not materialistic I, anymore. Maybe that's I it. Don't, yeah, I don't. I think we're definitely not materialistic anymore, which is a bit of a worry at the moment with luxury and stuff like right, that. Yeah. But I, I think we're, you know, we're much more experiential. So I think that's the way the world's going. I yeah. would, you know, to be honest, my diary, because uh, I like looking back at them year on okay, year on year. Yeah. And, and, and actually, it's amazing when you look at your, what you've, um, you know, what you have down there and you suddenly go, Christ, you know, I literally remember that meeting yeah. that yesterday. And especially as you get older. Exactly. You know, <laughs> brain doesn't work as fine. Does it not? I'm, not? I'm not going that gaga yet. No, we hope not. Um, and which book do you most often recommend to people? Which book has influenced you the most? Uh, God, there's so many. I mean, I always say, and this, I always try and make people read, but I don't think they ever read at the Gentleman's no. Journal. I've tried. <laughs> I've, I think I've actually bought quite a few copies of this book that I think just get taken home and put on the side. But all good on advertising. Oh, yeah. Um, I think so. I've got a copy of that. Have you read have, it? Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah. I think it's really? yours. Really? Okay, good. God, it might be. I'll can I have it back? It, you can have it back. Um, so I would say that and the viral loop. Which sounds like an STD, but no, it's 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 uh, it's the viral loop. Is basically it's about it's the originals, uh, the origin, how originally things shared. So uh, like Mrs. Tupperware with the Tupperware parties, yeah. and how that grew, how uh, Hotmail grew with putting in every subject. P.S. I love you. So mm. everyone clicked and opened their Hotmail, and that's really useful when you're running a say if you're into into, into a digital business. I would recommend running that. Um, they read a really good book on holiday called Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Oh, right, yeah. Uh, that was really good. And I'm reading a great book at the moment, which I can't stop reading, which is David Niven's uh, autobiography, ah, which yeah. I think everyone knows. What's that called? It's called A Moon to Balloon or something. Yeah, yeah A Moon to Balloon, um, which is just, it's, 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 it's just full of really funny stories. Yeah. And also comes from that that world that we all sort of wish that yeah. we... Yeah, um, it doesn't quite exist anymore, does it? Uh, yeah, I mean, we're hoping that it one, you know, yeah. it might exist. Is that what you're trying to usher back in with the brand? No, I think we're trying to do it with a, you know, with a new modern yeah. sense on it. I mean, those guys were all very much black tie parties and, um, you know, you know, it was, they grew up in a time, when, as I'm reading at the moment, when, you know, alcohol was banned in America. And, mm. But, you know, I think we just do things differently, you know, and it's, you know, how society was back then is very different now with the rise of what yeah. endlessly seems like a million and one members clubs. <laughs> um, uh, of course, not the one we're sitting in. No, now, no, but every, original. you know, but this one compared to the one, you know, compared to Little House, rather, they all have their different clients. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, whereas back in those days, it was very much a hierarchical system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so life was, you know, but it was quite a romantic idea. Of course. Whereas now it's changed in a different way. I don't think it's worse or 
better yeah. by anyway. But do you think there's less freedom when we think about those gentlemen like David Niven who could travel the world and do 14 different jobs? I think there's more freedom now. I think there's more freedom. Yeah, like now you can start a business off of your laptop. Yeah. Um, you know, there's never been more freedom. You know, you can do whatever you want. You know, and I think, yeah, you travel and, yeah. Not everyone has a job like you where you get to go and write all these lovely reviews. And well, I don't get to do that. No, you're working yeah. too hard at that. You're quite aren't right. You? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what's your personal motto, if you have one? I th- my pers- It's not personal, but I, I, I think Michael Bloomberg came up with it originally, so okay. I'm going to steal his. Is that right? That's fine. That? Fine. Like Most it. people steal them. Um, I th- yeah, the harder you work, the luckier you get. I think, I think I'm a great believer in the fact that I don't know if anyone's watching you, whatever God or whatever that is. But yeah. you know, as long as you, as long as you work your ass off, um, something you know, it's it's it will go right. You know, and I think that's just you. Yeah, work, work, work. Finally, what's your idea of happiness, Harry? What's my idea of happiness? God, no, I would say it's time. You know, just being able to. I think also just, just switching off occasionally. Like that's yeah. the one thing. I recently went away last week and tried to switch off, which is, it's you know, it's impossible. You know, yeah. it's can't. And we're, we are connected to these things, being those things being a smartphone uh, 24-7. I think that's a really worrying thing. Um, yes. But I do think the ultimate... Especially for your employees. Ultimate, yeah, exactly. <laughs> ultimate happiness is being able to have the time to do what you want. And, and just, yeah, I mean, you know, it's all the usual corny things, like, family and stuff like that but you know but ultimately happens it's just having time is a luxury that you know however rich you are however you know you just can't buy um and you can't control yeah so that's the other thing it can be snatched away from you very very quickly okay a somber note to finish on. <laughs> i know is that that is somber yeah it anyway. is but anyway harry thank you very much for Thank joining you. us. I think I, looked, I think I got through that. I, you got through it. That yeah. was the most engaged and switched on you've yeah. ever been because you had to turn your phone off. Yeah. So you can look at it every and five now minutes we need and you to, email. Now we need to run back. Yeah. Thank you very much, Harry. Thank you, Joe. Brilliant. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Gentleman's Journal podcast. We'll be back in a fortnight with more invaluable insights from the worlds of entrepreneurs, raconteurs and tastemakers. But in the meantime, you can read more at thegentlemansjournal.com or follow us on Instagram if you're so inclined, at the Gents Journal. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you very, very soon.